Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Smut Lovers, the podcast. I am Nikki Rome, and I am here today with one of another one of our favorite authors and readers of all things smut, to chalk, all things spicy romance. So, welcome to episode four. I've got Amber Warden with me today. Good morning, Amber. How are you? Good morning, Nikki. I'm good. Like, I'm good. And I have no idea what I'm getting into. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best way that these things typically work. Well, let me kick off and tell you guys a little bit about Amber, and then we'll get into all the fun and juicy stuff. So Amber Warden started reading romance earlier than she probably should have. We all. Before long, she was anticipating the steamy scenes and skipping to the good parts. <laughs> she loves dreaming up new book boyfriends and lives out her fantasies in her stories. Her main hope is for those reading to take away the feeling that they are more than enough for anyone. I love that. When she's not writing, she is reading shoujo manga, playing otami games, and listening to her favorite J-Rock music. And she absolutely loves to hear from her fans. So we'll make sure all of her contact information is in our show notes for today, too. That way you can reach out to her. Well, so let's start with our question of the week, which is what we typically do. And we'll kind of get things rolling from there if that works for you. So your question of the week is... Were you always a lover of spicy romance, or did you start reading in another genre that just kind of led you to the world of fun? <laughs> I mean, I, like any kid, I'm sure I've, I've read other other genres first, you know, all the kid stuff, Beverly Clary, and, um, you know, lots of young adult stuff. I think R.L. Stein had things, and Christopher Pike, and uh, L.J. Smith, of course, back then. But uh, I had a, a sister that was three years older than me. And so I stole one of her <laughs> romance novels that she was reading fairly early. I think I was 11 or 12 when I read it. Um, yeah, it's definitely clear that we should have her. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, she was very into the historical um smut so uh that was different for me too and I absolutely loved it and didn't really look back from there that was definitely the my main comfort go-to is is definitely romance so do you still read historical romance or was that kind of a phase you went through before you stumbled down the contemporary world it's funny I don't read a lot of historical anymore I read my favorites from over the years. I'm a rereader. I like to go and visit with my besties in the books that I really loved. So I do reread some of the stuff that I liked early on, but most of the stuff I read now is contemporary. Very interesting. I don't think I have met a rereader before. Very rarely. Really? Yes, very rarely. I reread more than I read new stuff. When I have downtime, I really like to visit with a couple I've I've read before. I love that. I love that. I can probably think of maybe two or three books that I've reread. Well, with the exception, of course, of stuff like when I was a kid and like reread stuff as an adult because it's like a cool experience, right? As <laughs> going through some of that stuff. So, do you remember the name of that book? The when you were eleven, the one that you stole from the your last sister? Duke by Andrea Kane was the very oh. first one I read. Love it. And it had that that trope about. The girl was, the, the heroine was a bit, you know, like her father was very abusive and things like that. So kind of that rescue trope where the hero, it, he was a little bit of an anti-hero in it because he was a thief and, you know, a bastard and all that other, like a 
it was historical, right? Uh, uh, an actual, right. And, uh, you know, he just kind of came in and, and sweeped her away because he wanted to get back at her dad. And, you know, I, I just really loved it. <laughs> I've got to assume that you reread it because, I mean, or did it just leave that much of an effect on you at 11 years old? Because I don't remember what I read last week. <laughs> That one I struggle to reread now. Um, so that one just left a very big impression. Um, I find that now I get a little bit bored with it because it has so much story and almost too much in a way. And uh, it has a lot of story after they get together with them married and a lot of the thief stuff uh, where they're stealing things. And and some of that I don't remember as well, but I, I really remember that first scene of the two of them together. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about tropes, because that was obviously, you know, the damsel in distress kind of thing that we, t- that we see in a lot of historical romances, but we also see in a lot of contemporary romances. What are your, like, go-to tropes as a reader? What are those, like, ride or die, if this is the trope, I will read it? Or do you have one, or do you kind of read all over I think I read a little bit more all over. I do like, um, I do like the damaged characters. So especially the heroes now more than the heroines. I really like a damaged hero. Talk about our fucked up heroes because so many of us love them, right? So what is it like? Okay, so if you had to like picture your absolute perfect hero all the damage and everything that goes along with it. Give me kind of the rundown of what that character profile would look like. I, I tend to be fairly open, but I do like somebody that had something in his past that made him feel like he was unlovable. I don't like, I don't like the alpha holes as in like, I don't like when they're too jerky to, to the main character. I, I, I like the one that, this character, the the heroine he runs into, kind of stirs something, and he's instantly sweet to her type thing. So I like when when the guy, yes, he's damaged, but he's also very kind of sweet, as long as he's not too sweet in the bedroom. So totally simple for her, but still kinky as hell, right? I got you. <laughs> Well, it's more putting her, uh, I guess, putting her first or and, and in subtle ways, like realizing something that might bother her and taking care of it without really even saying anything, without needing any type of recognition for it. Just always wanting to ensure that she's taken care of and happy kind of thing. I can, yeah, that's a me thing, too. Definitely a me thing, too. I think it is for a lot of people. So when you're reading, do you typically stick within just general contemporary romance? Are you a dark romance reader? Are you, I mean, is there any kind of real like subgenre of romance that you kind of, that you're more, let's say, drawn into? So or I, will, <laughs> I will hop around. Um, I don't read as much dark just because I like my heroes a little bit on the sweeter side and they're not always some of them can be so it kind of depends on the reviews for me on the dark stuff uh contemporary I run the gamut um and I, I think I even I even tried a couple rock star ones recently um which are kind of a lot of them tend to have a lot of tragic 
hero type tropes in them as well. I was reading a series and I can't remember. I think it was way too mm -hmm. I think it was tearing. Um and I'm reading this series, I absolutely loved it. And there was a spin-off series that ended up with like a rock star kind of situation. And I remember reading that this was just a couple years ago. And I was like, huh. Because it was the same experience that you had. He was slightly damaged, but like a total limp when it came to his woman. And just, I loved everything about it. So, yeah, some of those, some of those are nice. I've noticed that a lot in MC romances, too. Do you read much of that? I haven't done a ton of the MC. I did a couple. Uh, there was one where they were neighbors or something, and she was like a single mom. And I, I kind of liked the way he took care of her in that one. I, for me, it, it's all about the characters. If I can really get into the characters, the other stuff kind of falls away for the tropes that are really more, I don't know, like situation tropes. Mm -hmm. Like the MC, the billionaire, the... You, all of that stuff, I can I can read different ones, but I don't like to read too much of any. I feel like it starts to feel repetitive if I read too much of any back-to-back. -back. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. In fact, I was just talking to another author about this literally yesterday. And, like, there's this certain, like, it's like a comfort read when you stick within one trope for a certain period of time. Or if you're a person who goes back to a specific trope, it's like you're looking for that same storyline. Like, you want your... You know, the comfort part of it is knowing what you're going to get. But for a lot of us, we do need to kind of jump around in order to stay interested in things and so forth, which which is nice. Um, okay, so let's say, is there any, like, totally cringy tropes that you would avoid or things that you would avoid in books? Because you're just like, yeah, no, not for me. Other than, you know, the not-so-sweet, not-so-nice a-hole kind of hero. <laughs> Well, I give them a try sometimes. You actually sort of find it in reviews because sometimes it's hard to figure out when you're reading like a blurb or a description for a book. Like, wait, is he going to be what I want it to be? But is there any like no goes for you? Places where you I don't think there's any no goes, but I I'd say the enemies to lovers isn't my favorite just because they're. I, I don't like all the anger. They almost. I don't like that hating. I, I even I watched that hating game. They made it into a movie. And it kind of left me, eh, you know, <laughs> it didn't quite hit it for me. And I think it's that I, I don't like when they're angry all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when both of them are. Um, it's funny because I was, you know, enemies to lovers is one of those that's tricky because a lot of times if it's not done right, it just doesn't feel right. You know, um, friends to lovers, second chance, that sort of stuff. They're pretty kind of easy to hit the mark on for me as a reader, I've noticed. But enemies to lovers, sometimes I'm like, and I'm the opposite. Like, I am looking for all the anger and the angst and the frustration. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you not still mad at him? Why are you forgiving him so quickly, you know? <laughs> or like, oh, why? It has to be angst. <laughs> I, I will say the secret baby is sometimes hard for me, too. Is it? There's just something about that that I'm like, ah, really? You couldn't find? Like, there has to be a really good reason on why you couldn't tell them about the baby. <laughs> I know a lot of those pregnancy tropes have a tendency to drive people crazy. I'm a total junkie for them. Pregnancy tropes, breeding kinks, all of it. I don't know why. It's just my jam. Um but I, I, again, will agree with you because if we're talking like a secret baby that's five years old, I'm like, what the frickin' hell? Like, you know, I prefer her to like disclose or him to find out when she's like pregnant or just had the baby kind of thing. Because when so many years go by, I'm like, 
and you just happen to stumble upon a child that looked just like you. <laughs> oh, I mean, it happens. I just, uh, as I said, if they can explain it enough for me, I'm I'm good. But I need that explanation before before my, you know, I, before I can really get into it. All right, absolute favorite author. Do you have one out there who it doesn't matter what they release, you're going to probably pick it up, or a few. I tend to be a little bit more of a, uh, so I'm not as loyal to, <laughs> to authors. I mean, probably I would say Linda Howard, just because I read all her stuff. She's my go-to if I'm rereading. Um, but uh, nothing more recent authors. Um, a lot of the more recent stuff, I tend to hop around a lot. Yeah, and it is, it's tricky, I think, um, for anybody who's a, a pretty diehard reader to love absolutely everything that an author reads. And I think that's okay. You know, I mean, that's something that we've talked about in the past on this podcast um, is, you know, thoughts and feelings as a reader of expressing whether you liked a book or not, or whether you liked something about a reader or not. How do you kind of feel about that whole thing? Because I know there is a lot of stigma that comes around with, you know, saying, you know, having a favorite author, but being like, this book wasn't for me. What do you think about all that? As an author, I think it's hard to hear that kind of thing sometimes, right? Because they're all my book babies, right? They're all my, um, you know, I end up close to, to all of them, but it's understandable too because I know I feel that way about other books I just might not necessarily want to hear it <laughs> right we were watching what were we watching we were watching this a Sandman episode last night me, my husband and I and it was talking about not to lie and stuff like that. I'm like, but some of the stuff he's pointing out, it, yes, she's telling the truth. But there are some truths that you just don't always have to say. <laughs> There's like a kindness, right? Um, the sugar it can happen sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And just because you think something doesn't always mean that you have to say it, too. But if it's a reviewer type thing, fully want them to be honest about what hit, what didn't hit. And usually if they are a little bit more detailed about what didn't work and what worked, it helps because people that, what they didn't like, somebody else might absolutely love. So if they put that detail of, oh, I didn't like it because, you know, I don't like, um, I don't like the uh, damaged past or whatever like that. Right. Somebody else might read that and go, oh, well, I love a damaged past. Has a one star ever sold you on a book before? Um, yeah, so I, I tend to, to read the, uh, the one stars and um, any that, that complain about things that I like, you know, oh, there was, I, I do, I really like the one stars that say that there's too much sex in a book. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I might really like that. That might be for me then. <laughs> so I remember my my very first book I ever published not romance um was about serial killers and I got the very first review I ever got was a one star that said it was way too violent and I'm like I think this is a good thing I'm gonna just ignore how I'm feeling and just take it as a good thing <laughs> 
I have one that's with the Dark Kings, which is my mafia series. It's a why choose, and it's very clear in the blurb and on the content, you know, warnings, everything on my website. Everything says this is a why choose romance. And I have a one-star review telling me how disgusting I am because I wrote a character who was giving one dude a blowjob while getting railed by the other one. And I was like, this is the best yeah. review I've ever had. <laughs> she goes on to say about, you know, how... Oh, you know, I would never read anything by this author before who would write something like this. And I was like, we are sharing this one with social media. In fact, I should probably thank her because it sold me a ton of books on TikTok. Everyone was like, wait a minute. Like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, which is why I always find it interesting when this one starts doing up selling books because, yeah, she missed the part that it was a why choose. Or she didn't understand what a white shoes was, which I think could have been a possibility, considering the fact that she was so disgusted by what I wrote. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Thank you so much for not liking this book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a one star that just says it sucked. I don't no, like those gonna... types of things. <laughs> but a one star that says something about why, and usually it's because they weren't my reader, right? They, they were definitely not my reader. And they're letting everybody know what type of reader would like my stuff. And I think that's all golden. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk. Um, oh, I've got one more reader question, and then let's jump into some of, some of the stuff as far as your author journey, because I'm interested in hearing more about that. But what was, let's say, like your most, if you had any embarrassing, smutty reader experiences in the past that you've kind of been like, I'm not going to tell you what I mean. Or somebody found out. <laughs> Or you want to say, I don't care. This is what I read. I'm just going to own it. I love, I'm a lover of smut because that's where some of us are just getting to it later in life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot more open later in life. Um, and I will say that I love the, having e-readers now. I feel like yes. people, I have to say romance covers over the years have never been, you know, the easiest to, to carry around. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, when I, I was in middle school when I started reading it, so I rode the bus to school and I thought that was a great time to read, but I was in kind of a not so nice neighborhood and the boys were pretty mean. So, um, yep, somebody stole my book, um, and started passing it around and making fun of the cover. It, it, it was historical, so I'm sure it was some damsel in distress. You know, with her right, right. So I remember being very embarrassed as they made fun of it. Um, but I was most mad because it took me a while to get the book back. Too. <laughs> 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 I'm like, ah. Oh. But yeah, there were a lot. Honestly, I think um, school buses, especially for middle school, are one of the worst dredges to um to have to be around so i'm you know i i think it depends on neighborhoods too but uh i had a lot of bad experiences on school buses back then and which is why i'd like to escape into books instead and try to ignore most of the kids around me <laughs> just spend my time in this little make-believe world instead of sharing all the drama that surrounds us um, so do you think that experience affected kind of your 
thoughts and so forth as far as reading romance and like owning the fact that you're a romance lover as you got older? Um, I definitely hit it a lot after that. Um, I'd be a little bit more careful about what I was reading on the bus. I, I would have two books going um, yeah. at once, things like that. Uh, my mom was not a reader and, and really looked down on the romance stuff too. So, um, but my sister, of course, absolutely loved it. So, um, though she didn't like me stealing her books that much. <laughs> My sister, I'd be pissed you were stealing my books, too. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I do think as an adult um, writing it, I've been surprised at how much I don't tell people what I write, um, especially in certain crowds and certain, certain group settings and stuff like that. Um, I've become much more open this year, and I had a really good conversation at um, a recent conference with a, a lot of other writers where they felt like they'd be judged and, and stuff by people they knew. Um, and so I've actually started to take the opposite route a little bit where I'm telling people more. Um, and it's, it's mixed reactions. Um, I still try to steer clear on social media because I feel like people would be a lot. I don't know. I, I think people say things without thinking a lot more on social media. So like my Facebook profile is, is more for my private life type stuff. So I don't write much about, about my author life on there. Yeah, I can, um, I definitely can relate to that. I, I mean, that's the joy of a pen name for me. When I started writing, I was still working in the financial industry. Um, and when I became full-time, I think that's when I finally was like, this is what I read, this is what I write, this is what I love. Um, you know, family always knew that I read it, but when I told my mother and my sister that I was publishing books because they were the first two people in my family, their immediate response was children's books. And I was like, Absolutely not. <laughs> not even a little. Um, so then I had to disclose the fact that I spend my spare time writing kinky sex scenes. Um, and, you know, I, even once I quit and went full time, it was funny because my mother was still concerned about family members. You know, finally, one point I put her arms like, listen, I, like, this is my business and my job and everything now. So, like, I'm not going to hide it. It's not going to change. Um, which I think is where the evolution of the Smut Lovers community really has kind of come from and the purpose of the conference and even our podcast and everything that we're doing now and today is to help women feel more empowered about what they love to read and hopefully kind of streamline and normalize some of our own joys. I mean, one of the things that you had in your bio is how, you know, hopefully giving those readers the feeling that they're more than enough for anyone, right? And so that line, when you, that line in your bio, tell me what that means to you. Because I can, I read it kind of in two different ways. <laughs> I think that there is, a, there's a thing that most people are feel, I think, nowadays, and that's that they're not enough. Um, in whatever way that means to them, um, I feel it all the time. And that was one of the reasons I started being a little bit more open about 
what I'm writing too, because I feel like I'm writing stories. Um, I definitely have lots of sex in my stories, but the sex isn't it, it is with a purpose. Most of my heroines have, you know, they're they're not. A couple have been virgins, but most of them aren't virgins. They're women that either have been in marriages that, oh, well, you know, I'm just supposed to do this. It doesn't matter, you know, how I feel. Or, um, you know, they've had really, really crappy sex lives, most of them. So part of their journey in, in my novels is to figure out that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like my heroes to be a little bit more about the about the woman when it comes to the sex scenes too, because um, most of them are on a journey um, to kind of figure out that, oh, well, you know, it's not that I'm bad at this, it's that I've had some really lousy partners. Um, and and some of that, I think, is is definitely why I write. And and definitely the most of my characters are damaged. Um, I do love the damaged character because, you know, I had my own journey that I'm always going to be on where I feel like I'm enough, right? Like that I'm, you know, I, that whole liking yourself, I think, is a slippery slope for a lot of people. Some people have great, um, great uh, feelings towards themselves, but I think a lot of people don't, and uh, that's something that nobody can give you. It's not like the romances I write is about the guy giving um, the woman confidence. It's more about their own growth into confidence uh, as they're figuring out that they're enough. That journey that they take is a not just the journey of the hero identifying that you know his damage doesn't need to affect his relationship with the heroine, but I think it's you know it's also the heroine learning sometimes to love herself, not because it's like you said, been given to her from someone else, but it's like a certain level of empowerment that I think appeals to me in a lot of rooms too. Because I 100% agree with you. I think um, that enough feeling, am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Am I this enough? Am I that enough? I think it's difference rampant, you know, especially with women, um, but pretty much everybody. And I've also seen some of the people that I think have the best self-confidence ever are also the ones that are the most self-deprecating, too. Like, a lot of times, I think we see it, and we're like, oh, my God, I wish I had the confidence, or I wish I could do this or that. And then you realize that they're just the same as you. Um, but it's a you fake. You can't TV. hear anybody's <laughs> inner voice. I think right. there's a lot of very very awful inner voices around and you can't you can't know what somebody's inner voice is telling them despite whatever you know facade they're putting they're putting forth whatever part of them they're okay with putting out there you never know what's behind behind that surface and I I think a lot of and honestly I think romance is empowering I think it shows a lot of that stuff um there's always something to overcome for the characters. It doesn't have to be full damage, but there's always something to overcome. And I think romance stories are always about people figuring out that they, they're better than they think they are. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I, uh, not just the characters, but like even the reader reading the book, right? Or the author writing the book. Sometimes it's, it's a self-discovery kind of experience. Um, you know, we've got a lot of authors who write through trauma. We've got a lot of readers who read through trauma, just past trauma, bullying. I mean, you name it, all sorts of things that they find um, 
the escape in their books like we talked about, but also there's something really nice about reading a book that has a similar experience to yours or writing a book that has a similar experience to yours and reading or writing the happily ever after that you wish you had, you know. So tell us a little bit about what, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> There are some readers that, that do like romance more for the escapism. So I know it's it's sometimes, you know, controversial and, and all that stuff. But I do add content notes about whatever tragic past or damage my characters have. Um, and I kind of have that look inside with that content notes. Because I'll be honest, some of mine, some people aren't going to want to read, right? Like, uh, the one I'm working on does does touch on rape. And I... I fully understand that that could be triggering to some people. So I am one that, that I add content notes to my books just because, because I like to read about people overcoming stuff doesn't mean that's going to be everybody's cup of tea. And I do think the romance genre specifically does need to be a little bit more careful because some people really are looking for escapism. That's what it's almost like the trope that the romance genre has, right? It's, it's an expectation on um, not all of the tropes that are out there, but on a lot of romance. So I'm a little bit more careful there than I am with my other pen name, just because people should know what they're, what they're getting in my mind. I uh, 100% agree with you. <laughs> the Scott Lovers <laughs> community is a huge proponent for content warnings um, because we do, we, you know, it's all about creating that safe space, right? Um, and what I might read as something that I will enjoy in a content warning, like you said, it may be something that someone else just is not comfortable getting into at all. And we don't want to shock or scare a reader off, right? Nobody wants to dampen an experience. We want, you, we want them to enjoy it. Um, and so yeah. I've never been one that understands the controversy around something like that. I'm like, I just, just do it. Like, it just makes sense to do it in my mind. Like, who is it hurting? I will say my serial killer book, I didn't think I needed to warn that there was <laughs> violence. <laughs> I don't like violence in a serial killer book, but maybe you needed to be a little careful with that one. Uh, but for, for a, a genre that's really a proponent of relationships and the happy yes. ending, I, I do think, yes, we know what we're getting in the end, but there's so many different varieties of how it goes there and and having some content notes doesn't ruin anything oh, i agree Absolutely, yeah. um okay so tell us a little bit about like what are you writing now what are you working on right now what have you kind of got out and happening and the rest of the year look like for you as an author so i've been working on my first actual series um and it's it's called the last shot tavern and um, I'm working on the fifth book in the series is what I'm writing. I'm publishing the third book at the end of the month. <laughs> and the fourth book is... I the third book that I wrote months ago for you on social media, but I'm writing book number five. <laughs> right? So it gets confusing. It's like, oh, which one am I mentioning in my newsletter? Yeah. Um, though I, I tend to mention a little bit of everything that I'm working on. Um, and the fourth one's sitting to be edited, but I like I like things to sit for a little bit before I, I I like to write ahead of my publishing schedule so that I have plenty of time to think about what I wrote because sometimes I'll change things up if if it, I'm not really feeling one of the the things. But um, this series it it's not a certain trope. It kind of each book kind of has its own trope, and and I am working on more of a rock star one, which. Uh, <laughs> 
which isn't typically my thing, but I was, uh, so uh, getting it right will be interesting since, um, since I haven't read a ton of it, but the characters just have always kind of been part of that group. But yeah, it's a group of friends. Um, one of the friends owns, owns the tavern. Um, and then each book is, is a standalone of each, each, uh, relationship. So kind of that standalone in a series kind of thing. Is a reader is series? Are you like typically a series reader or standalone reader, or does it does it not matter too much either way? If I find something I like and I like the other characters, I'm I, I'll eat up a series because um, I want that character's book. Um, but just because I read a book in a series doesn't mean I have to read all of them. There might be a trope that's hit on that I'm like, eh, that's not really my favorite. So I. I skip around again, like, like usual, right? <laughs> I, you know, there's always so much time in a day. So I try to focus on what, what's, you know, my, what my reading urge is, but I like standalones too. I think sometimes they're harder to market though, from the author's standpoint that, uh, that I wanted to try a series and see if that was a little easier. Yeah, I can understand that. I'm a big series junkie as far as a reader goes. Um, I won't typically pick up a standalone unless somebody recommends it to me personally, to be honest, because I am like that. Like once I'm done with the book, I want more, like I want more of the world or I want to hear those character names again or something like that. And there's some phenomenal standalones, but I know as a reader, I can be a little picky about that. So I definitely understand how it's more complicated to market those sorts of books as well. Um, okay, so book three is published or getting ready to publish. What's the release date on that one? So book three is coming out on October 31st. It's called Finding Instinct. And uh, it's got a little bit of an unusual heroine. She's not, uh, she's not a, a very girly girl. She's, she tends to be kind of brash and, and out there. So I had a lot of fun writing her. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think a lot of times those are the funner ones because it's not like the sweet and simple heroine that you see. I mean, the more complicated the character can be, the more entertaining it is, you know, for a lot of times as a reader. <clears throat> and so, are you, okay, so without giving out too much information, um, the first meet for the hero and the heroine, how did they come about? So for, for this book, uh, she actually is subbing for the heroine in the second uh, book. She, she beca becomes his secretary for a few weeks. Um, and it's kind of that rich boss type trope. Um, so they, they jump into, uh, in into chemistry very, very quickly. But they are complete opposites. She says whatever she's thinking has, you know, but... He, his family definitely came more from the damaged, you know, you have to hide yourself. And so she's kind of a breath of fresh air for him in a way, but he doesn't understand her at all either. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun to, uh, to write up. Some of their dialogue uh, in the first scenes is, uh, so it, the, the first chapter she's fighting with the coffee machine and it's spitting at her and she's cursing at it. And he walks in and and uh, and they're just really funny together, which I don't normally write funny, but she just she is funny. <laughs> so is the so 
What's your favorite part of writing the book? Is it the dialogue? Is it the sex scenes? Is it the world building? Do you have a favorite? Dialogue is the easiest and my favorite part of writing. I love dialogue between characters. Um, sex scenes are probably my next favorite to write. And then um, the emotional parts, definitely. Um, a lot of what I have to go back and add is description, like a uh, true description of places and stuff like that, because I don't want talking heads throughout, <laughs> but, but I I tend to, to write a lot of dialogue in my dialogue and, and action. Very cool. So <clears throat> what is, let's see. Where, how, where do you, where do the ideas come from? Where does the, re, like, is there anything that you typically have to research for your book? What's the craziest thing you've Googled? Like, that sort of stuff. <laughs> Tell me about your process. I've Googled some. <laughs> I've Googled some things. Um, um, more for, for my fantasy and young adult stuff, I tend to Google more and do a lot more research. Uh, the romance, I do Google certain things. Um, I do more research on on some things. Uh, I ended up tossing in what uh, the some dialogue about the morning after pill or the Plan B pill, and I hadn't really researched a lot of it, so I ended up doing a lot of research on that um, before I tossed anything in. So there's certain aspects that when the ideas come, I do have to research it. But um, for the most part, I think my ideas come from my dreams. I get very very clear scenes that I dream about and then I have to kind of build uh, more to it but there's very clear scenes that come from my dreams and then I have to figure out well who was that <laughs> and 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 give it more depth but but that's how most of my most of my stuff comes so we've got book three coming out in October do you have another one in the series coming out by the end of the year or it's four you said is sitting and waiting so your typical process is you do you draft and then that it waits and then you edit in prep for publishing or is the series all up for pre-order already? What does that kind of look like for anybody who's interested? The in series is all up for pre-order. Um, the first, the third one comes out at the end of this month and I'm doing two months in between. So the fourth one is scheduled for to drop at the end of December and then the fifth one at the end of February. So they're coming out pretty quick. Um, but again, I, I wrote ahead and I... I wrote the fourth one. It's sitting because I'm trying to figure out one aspect of it on whether to edit it out or add more depth to it. Um, but I'll be I'll be um, editing that one later this month to send off to the actual editor. So I do uh, I do three passes myself before I send it to the editor. Kind of a content pass to make sure I got the store story and characters right um, as much as I can, of course. And uh, then I do. Uh, a true read through and fix things as I go. And then I run it through a program to check for grammar and my horrible comma use. Um, I often use commas as pauses. <laughs> like I feel like the reader should pause <laughs> in how this sentence is read. And my editor fixes all of that for me. <laughs> I love them. I have never intentionally put the comma button on my keyboard ever. Like, I am no comma person. There's never a comma in my manuscripts. So <laughs> that's interesting. I think a lot of people or a lot of readers don't realize how much goes into specifically being an indie author, right? And so I'm not sure if we've defined this before on the podcast, but our indie authors or independent authors, 
I mean, we're responsible for doing pretty much everything by ourselves unless we sub it out to someone else, right? Versus a traditional author who might be traditionally published through a publishing house or something where they'll pick up some of those bits and pieces and so forth. So you are an indie author, correct? Yes. And, and by choice, it, that's something that I think comes up. Oh, well, you know, I couldn't get a trad deal, so I published it. That's definitely not how I think of indie. I love having the control. Um, I, I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, and I never wanted to go the traditional route. I, I When I heard of independent publishing or self-publishing and all of that, I'm like, ooh, I want to learn how to do that. Um, and, and I see it as more we hire who we're working with and we vet them ourselves versus somebody else doing it for us. It go, you know, the the good at indie books. You know, there's some there's some out there that I think get thrown out a little too quickly, but I think most indie authors are doing the same steps that a traditional would do for them. They have some, you know, it's not like they're not getting it edited. Uh, doesn't mean we're going to catch everything. Um, I swear I can edit things four times and there's still this typo that <laughs> I just missed. Um, but, uh, but I think we do our best to put out a very professional product and, you know, we build relationships, a working relationship with, you know, cover artists and editors. And I love it. Um, I, I really love every piece of it. And, um, I, I, I enjoy uh, kind of owning everything. Um, there's only me to blame if something's not working and then I can just switch it up, right? So you're not stuck in anything. If something didn't work, oh, well, let me change that for next time or let me try something different. And and you learn as you go. And I think it's, it's powerful. No, I think it absolutely is. Um, and I am an indie author who made the same choice as you probably for a lot of the same reasons the control freak in me wants to be able to do all the things <laughs> but it is a ton of work it is and so you know we absolutely love when our readers are able to support us and so forth now you write your contemporary romance under amber warden and i know you've mentioned your fantasy um is it new adult or fantasy and pnr is that under a separate it's young adult fantasy which is why i have two separate pen names I'm like ah this is this is fairly oh. clean over yeah. here <laughs> into the other genres that are out there. How do they find those books? So my other pen name is AC Ward. Um, so I, I publish under my initials over there. And I have a um, I have about 10 books out under the young adult fantasy pen name. Um, six of them are in a samurai series, which delved into a lot of the stuff I loved about feudal Japan. And I'm a bit of a you know, with, with the manga and the Otami games, and I, I have a thing for Japanese culture. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I brought a lot of that into that series. Um, though it's, it's set in a fantasy world, it has a lot of similarities to feudal Japan. But it is not cool. historically accurate. It is definitely a fantasy world. <laughs> fantasy here, folks. Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is yeah. one of the things that happens in the romance world all the time, too, when, like, our books start getting ridiculed for all these, like, crazy things that happen. And I'm like, it's still fantasy. It's still a fan It's still not real, folks. Like, I've still made this up in my head and put it on a piece of paper for you to read. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So we'll find 
contemporary romance under Amber Wynn and then under AC Ward is where all of your fantasy uh, young adult stuff is. So <clears throat> with the series that's coming out now, what do we have to cut? What, what, what should we expect from you in 2023 in the future? Like once this, once the series is done, what do you have planned for the world of romance? So I'm still figuring out my 2023 schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, I thought you might not either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I have tentative plans for kind of a spinoff um, to do the sisters of one of the characters. He's got four sisters, so um, so I'm playing around with their spinoff. Um and then I do need to actually write something for my young adult fantasy pen name. So I have a Greek uh, Greek mythology uh, trilogy coming up on on that side too that I'm going to be working on next year. So I'm going to be I, I tend to have a lot of a lot of things in the fire. Sounds <laughs> like it. Awesome, Amber. Thank you so much for being here with me this morning. We have reached the end of our time together, at least the first part of our time together. So I want to say thank you again for being here. Thank you to our listeners who have listened in. Uh, for those of you who support us on Patreon, make sure that you head over there. We will have our 15-minute added extras in just a little bit that you can find there if you subscribe and support us on Patreon. Uh, if you're looking to find Amber, Amber, we will have all of your stuff in the show notes, but if you had to pick one specific place where you want readers to find you, where is that going to be? Um, I'm in, I'm I'm full in on Kindle Unlimited, so check me out on Amazon. That's that's the best place to find my stuff. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks so much, and thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next one.